the VO meter, measuring your voiceover progress. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 11 of the VO meter. Measuring your voiceover progress. We have a super exciting show coming up. We are basically like kids in a candy store because we are interviewing two of our idols, basically, George Whittem and Dan Leonard from VOBS, formerly the East West Audio Body Shop. Uh, we watch their show every week. We're in the chat room contributing. They, I like to say they taught me everything I know, and I'm just so excited to get to that interview. I am too. Uh, George and uh, Dan have been very generous with their time and, and have agreed to come on our set after co- being on theirs, uh, was it two months ago? Yeah, about that. Very cool. Yeah, so um, I hope you guys are interested in a gear-centric episode because that's what these guys are all about. Yeah, it got <laughs> but, a little geeky, but that's okay. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. We're, we're raising the, the sophistication of our podcast. Exactly. But, uh, with that, let's talk about some current events. Uh, do you have anything exciting that you want to talk about, Paul? I do, actually. Uh, I mentioned the last episode that I had taken on a long title or just finished a long title under a pseudonym. And I went looking for some more work under said pseudonym, and I just landed a six-book series uh, that'll be coming out in the next couple of months. I'm working on the first one now. They're all about an hour to an hour and a half short stories in the same genre, so those will be coming out shortly. Uh, Again, if you'd like to go check it out, listen to episode 10 with the little Easter egg about how you can find the pseudonym, do that, and um, you can look me up on Audible. Now I just can't get that theme song out of my head. Which <laughs> He's one's the that? Man with the name that you want to touch. Oh right, you're right, right. But you mustn't touch. <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty exciting. And then um, I have another client on Freelancer who is sending me an audiobook every two weeks, and wow. I have one of those coming out this week, and another one I should be working on starting tomorrow. And then finally, I have a client today who has sent me the first of what is supposed to be a 30,000-hour English lesson um, job. So 30,000-hour? Right. I should, I should explain it's an ensemble where, sort of like the work I've been doing with you, actually, there's several different narrators playing different parts uh, for English language learning um, for uh, non-English speakers, and I'm doing one of the roles, so I don't know exactly how, how many lines it'll be, but... It's supposed to be 30,000 hours total. It's a job, wow. out of, a job out of India, and um, I'm working on it, obviously, remotely. And did the first job today in a small piece, and we'll see how the rest goes over the, the next couple of months. Very cool. I mean, it's nice to have a gigantic gig like that that you can rely on. That's very cool. Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't bill at that rate, so it's not like, and there's no retainer, so it's not like it's a guarantee. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that, you know, they'll keep me on and, and they'll like what they hear, but it sort of remains to be seen. I have to make sure I do a good job, which I always do with my clients, but especially this time because there's that carried out there with so much extra work. Very cool. And if they need a young 20 to 40-something-year-old voice, just let me know. <laughs> I, I will I will let, let you know for sure. Although I watched the, um, they have a, a scratch track with a computerized voice, Ugh. and I, I watched the video today, and there's like seven women characters and me. So <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> Lucky man. (laughs) Uh, I guess so. So what's going on with you? Well, last episode, uh, we were talking about when I went out to Seattle to get some professional headshots made for my new agent, and I finally got those back, and they look awesome. I try not to be too vain about it, but I I posted some of my favorites on Facebook, and 
I got 200 responses that ranged from the hilarious to the downright raunchy. (laughs) Yeah, I I participated in some of those as well. What was that? I participated in some of those comments as well. That's right. But I mean, largely they were all positive. It was pretty hilarious. Um, Yeah, I saw them too. I think they look great. Well, thank you very much. A lot of my friends were like, you're a lot handsomer in these than I remember you being. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, really? I saw you like three weeks ago. And um, so well, it depends I don't know where they saw to... you. I mean, I was talking to you offline about how the last time I saw you in person was at Bio Atlanta, where you were basically on no sleep and tearing your hair out over the the challenge. So just you drenched definitely... in sweat and emaciated, and, right? Like, falling up a stairwell. Eyes. So you definitely didn't look <laughs> as good as you do when you're all quaffed and taking headshots. Well rested and cleaned up. Right? Yeah, that's funny. that's great. Congrats uh, on those. They really came out great. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, so uh, Michael Doucette out of Seattle did a really good job on those. Other than that, I've uh, just got my monthly e-learning uh, project that I'm working on right now. Just sent some scripts to you this week, actually. I just finished some huge narration projects that I was working for this uh, this lovely German production company. Like, we have a, a very nice rapport going so far. But this was like 31 individual scripts, about half hour each. So Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty long project. But the rate was very nice as well, and and they were they were a pleasure to work with. So, I uh, hopefully they will come back for more. Now, did you do those all at once and then split them up later, or did you record them all individually? I usually do it in a couple of sessions. Um, like I try because I I focus on long form mainly, so I do try to record long stints for an hour or two, and then just kind of divide it up later. If I'm smart, usually like I'll uh, I'll start and stop and record individual files just for archiving purposes. But you can do the same thing in Twisted Way, just using the uh, the markers and the split by markers feature. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I've done similar work in the past where I use that that exact feature: the put the marker in, split by marker, and it, and it will put them all in the same folder for you with that file name convention that you create. It's really awesome. It is very awesome. And Dan Leonard actually has some great tips about getting um, very specific with how like you arrange your markers. So it's like everything has the same amount of uh, opening of room tone and everything is uniform. And it's very cool. Um, You should definitely check it out. Awesome. Well, we will get to our main topic and our interview uh, with Dan and George in just a minute. But first, why don't you tell us about our um, VO meter stick this week? So up next, we have the very talented Jack DeGolia. You might know Jack as the um, the incredibly talented transcriptor for the VOBS uh, podcasting episodes. Like, he'll watch these episodes and write very detailed notes and transcriptions, uh, including time codes of, like, of interesting things that happen in a given episode. So as, as my workloads increased, I can't watch these episodes as consistently as I used to. So I'm very grateful to Jack for always providing these detailed, like just wonderful write-ups of the episode. And if I read them and I really like what it was about, I'll still go back and watch it. I don't care. So uh, thank you, Jack. That is, a, that is a great volunteer service that you're offering us. This is a slightly different VO meter shtick than we usually do in that Jack has actually sent us a series of bloopers from some of his audiobook recording sessions. So without further ado, take it away, Jack, with our VO meter shtick. Hey, everybody. It's time for the VO meter shtick. What did he say? It's time for the VO meter... Oh, never mind. The VO meter shtick. Oh, got it. 
He touched Coulter's cheek. He touched Cotter's neck. Judy countered as she paused to push her thick glasses back up her nose. As she paused to push her thick glasses back up on her nose. Her pace failed. Her face paled, hiding his hands in his trembling hands. With an amused look in his eyes and a well-modulated tone to his voice that carried a hint of condensation. That carried a hint of condescension. <laughs> Emergency medical personnel transported the city to city hospital under heavy escort. Several minutes passed and his version became blurred. Hoffmeyer grabbed a set of cufflinks from his belt. Hoffmeyer grabbed a set of handcuffs from his belt. She held up her two favorite Barbie dolls. They look like the beach. They like the beach. The Huey was painted in drab olive. The Huey was painted in olive drab and had seen better days. Server virtualization is a mythology of dividing the resources of a computer. Server virtualization is a methodology of dividing the resources of a computer. He pulled the hair off her forehead. He pushed the hair off her forehead. This pre-Columbian artifact is made with such intimacy. This pre-Columbian artifact is made with such intricacy. He had a preposterous gut that spilled out over his belt. He had a prosperous gut that spilled out over his belt. Nazar al-Bayati supported a heavy brush of a mustache. Nazar al-Bayati sported a heavy brush of a mustache. They were all chanting among themselves. They were all chatting among themselves. Flocked wallpaper, brass wall scones, brass wall sconces. Her head gently cradling her son's head. Her hand gently cradling her son's head. You're looking at images from the side-scan solar system. You're looking at images from the side-scan sonar system. The Sphinx is southwest of the Great Period. The Sphinx is southwest of the Great Pyramid. As lunchtime approached, as lunchtime approached, Willie's second tug pulled her through the side of the garage. Willie's second tug pulled her through the side door of the garage. By three years of age, a child's speech skills and vocabulary, by three years of age, a child's speech skills and vocabulary. Mr. Javier asks them if there were any new words in the book they don't have on their P list yet. Speak freely. <coughs> Speak freely. Thank you, Jack. Those were hilarious. Uh, something I hadn't thought of, creating your own personal blooper reel. Good stuff. So, believe it or not, we actually do not have a questionable gear purchase this week. I know our <gasps> fans are going to clamor for it, but I managed to not buy anything stupid this week. Yay! <laughs> Pretty much the same for me, too. I have some knickknacks and um, just minor purchases that like, I have varying levels of satisfaction with, but nothing that bore your ear or like to tell your ears off so so yeah. no questionable gear purchase this week folks sorry i was but. also a little scared that um dan and george would yell at me so i tried to <laughs> i tried to restrain myself at least this week while we talk to them and hopefully it'll go over well well they might anyways i don't know if they like poking fun <laughs> but who knows maybe they can tell us about some of their questionable gear purchases that'd be awesome yeah 
All right, but speaking of Dan and George, we're sure that you guys are chomping at the bit to get to hear what they have to say about all things audio. So without further ado, here are Dan and George. All right, we are moving on into our Source Connect Now studio, and I am very excited to have these two upstanding gentlemen. They have over 200, that's 275 episodes of the East West Audio Body Shop slash VoiceOver Body Shop podcast. They've had agents, celebrity voice talent, anyone under the sun that's related to VO, you name it. We have the home studio master, Dan Leonard, and the audio engineer of the stars, George Widom. How are you guys doing? Fabulous. Great to be here, guys. Yeah, Fabulous. man. It's intro, really fun to join you. Fun to join you guys here today. All right, and we are so excited to have you. So we've got a lot of questions, and uh, Paul, why don't you start off with that? Well, guys, we are big fans, as we talked about on the show, but we may have some, some people that may not be as familiar with your show and, and your individual backgrounds, and... I thought maybe we could start by just talking a little bit about how you got started and some of the things that brought you to where you are today. And actually, if, if we talk about backgrounds, we have a lot in common. George, I don't know if I ever told you this, but my wife went to Virginia Tech at the same time you did. Uh, I think overlapped by three out of the four years. And my brother-in-law was the exact same year as you were there. And Dan, <laughs> I sold hilarious. insurance for a while, which is something I know you got into and oh, got out my, of quickly. So my, there's a lot of commonalities there. And I was wondering if you could just talk about where you started and how you've gotten to the point you are now with, with your businesses and the show. All right. Well, you know, I've, I've been in broadcasting. You know, I started like in 1975. Yes, there was human beings on this planet back then. No uh, one was alive then. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I was in radio and television till about 1992, and then um, I I sold insurance, <laughs> you know, life, health, long-term care, disability insurance. You know, broke a few telephones trying to you know do all this stuff or all that. Got your Taught series seven and sixty-six. I did, and then um, you know, and I you know, and I did sell mutual funds and things along those lines and and, and annuities and. Uh, but I hated it. <laughs> so I, I, I got out of that. And my mother-in-law, bless her heart, uh, suggested that perhaps I go back to school and teach high school what I really loved, which was, uh, social studies oh, and, cool. uh, you know, U.S. history and the constitution. And, uh, and I did when I was 40 years old, I went back to college, got my teaching degree and ended up teaching in our public schools for three years. And really enjoyed teaching, despised the very ground that administrators and <laughs> other people, you know, I, just, they're horrible. They're, I mean, there are some wonderful people in education, but... As an institution, you're saying. As, as an institution, yeah. not, it's pretty bad. Not narrowing it down to anybody in particular. Well, I could narrow it down to a couple of people well, we in particular. We won't mention any names, and they're not in voiceover, and they would never know this. I ever said this. That's every teacher, by the way. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, but... You know, I, I tend to think that our educational system was run by a bunch of insane Marxists <laughs> who really were hell-bent on making sure that we, this country got completely dumbed down. So when you tell kids, hey, you know, you can be something, they don't like you telling them that. It's mm. kind of interesting. Anyway, but um, uh, I, education and I obviously split ways around 19 or in 2001. And... Um, I found myself at home finishing up my master's degree and uh, a project that I did uh, 
got me involved in recording again and doing voiceover again. And I just checked out to see what was going on in voiceover. And voiceover was, in 2003, was really just starting to take off as far as an internet business was concerned. So I had the chance to to really, uh, you know, get ride the, you know, the front crest of the wave on that. But because I had experience working uh, in a, you know, in, in radio studios and recording studios, uh, setting up the proper environment for proper recording was a real simple thing for me and using the right equipment. And um, people started, I, you know, I would list it, you know, back in the early days of, you know, online forums and stuff, I would start to to type in things and people started to notice that I, I was commenting on it and they uh, started writing me questions. And uh, after, uh, you know, about a year of you know, spending a lot of time writing questions or answering questions, the missus said, you know, you really should hang out a shingle. You know, you can't take 30 years of experience and just sort of like dole it out for free. And so uh, about 2005, I started uh, becoming the home studio master and been doing it ever since. And, uh, you know, and it's always fun to to teach people, you know, having my master's degree in education. I, I apparently I'm able to relate, uh, you know, fairly what seeming is seemingly complex to uh, make it a little bit more simple. George? Oh, well, uh, remember, no. I, I remember <laughs> you're here, too. He's still awake there. Sorry, I was dozing <laughs> off. He's, he's only heard that story about 30, 40 times. Um, well, my background is in uh, is really in music. And then I studied music at Virginia Tech, got a degree in recording and audio engineering and music performance and a minor in communications. I did radio in college just for the hell of it. Um, you know, I was on AM and FM and didn't think much of it, you know, I just thought it was fun. It was an activity. It was neat to be on the air, but I wasn't thinking of it as a career, you know, in broadcasting at all. I was really focused on recording. That's what I wanted to do. At can, I, can I pause you for a second? You said a minor yeah, yeah. in performance. What did you, what was your, your, your instrument you played? I have a major in music and I have a minor in telecommunications. Oh, sorry. But my, okay. my music performance, I played trumpet. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I yeah. did too. That's another commonality. I have a trumpet <laughs> yeah. sitting right outside the whisper room. Yeah, <laughs> just like awesome. your old man. Awesome. My dad's still an active musician, George A. Whittem on in the chat room. He'll be in, he oh, right. calls himself Brass Lips sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I was the Brass exact lips. opposite in undergrad. I was a, a communications major and a music minor. <laughs> I love it, man. There's a lot of commonalities. Funny. And I, I just never was a big into performance. I hated practicing. That's probably the big problem. Uh -huh. So uh, I was in engine engineering. I started a recording business in 1997 with my dad um, called Eldorado Recording Services, which was built into an Eldorado RV. Oh. <laughs> you ever see those tan now and brown striped oh. aluminum siding <laughs> junker yeah. RVs you see in Venice, California along the side of the road? Mm -hmm. I used to have one of those with a studio in it. That is and awesome. it was for doing remotes and stuff. It was a lot of fun. Didn't make any money. Burned a lot of money. But my dad was very supportive. He thought it was really cool and fun. Recorded a bunch of stuff, but then decided it's time to move to L.A. Came out in 2004 after three years of doing radio broadcasts for the Eagles Radio Network for football. That was where I got e the... E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Eagles. Yeah, that's where I got to spend some time in real broadcasting doing real stuff where actually people were listening <laughs> and uh did you work with Meryl Reese? 
I did. I worked with this is Merrill Reese. Love that. And guy. you're listening to 94 WYSP. Hey, not and bad. I worked with that guy <laughs> for a couple of years. For, for our fans that don't know, he's he's the classic voice of the Eagles for the last like 50 years. He's amazing. <laughs> yeah, wow. he's been there a long time. He's like the Harry Cal. Is it the Harry Harry Carey? Harry Carey. Harry Callis was the, 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 the very the Vin Scully. Yeah, of the, you know of those guys that have been doing this forever. That's that's him. Um, anyway, left that left that world after three years and uh, came out here. Started in doing answering ads on Craigslist for film production sound mixing because I figured that was the way to make a living here. At this point, voiceover was still not really on the radar. I had helped with setting up one studio in Philadelphia and just that was it. You know, it's just me helping out a buddy. Moved out here, did that film production stuff for a while. Started getting a referral or two from uh, an agent, actually a manager named Jason Marks because I had helped out that one voice actor's name's Howard Parker. I call him my client zero. Uh, Ground zero. Yeah, he's like client zero. He's the origin of the disease. Um, and he's still a very hey, successful business. Yeah, very successful voice actor to this day. Um, but And then he referred me to his manager. His manager started referring me clients. Somewhere along the way, a connection led me to Don LaFontaine. I worked that with him amazing. for a few years. And... Then, not long after Don passed away, Dan and I met at, um, maybe it was around the time or a little bit before, Boy, Dan and was, I met at... Yeah, we met at... Uh, we met in 2008. 2008. I met Don in 2007. Yes. Don, yeah, Dan and I met Voice 2007. And then you and I met at 2008. Correct. Dan helped me out. Uh, I was doing my first presentation in front of people live about voiceover ever. And Dan helped me on the fly dumb it down so it didn't <laughs> glaze everybody's eyeballs over in, in the room. And, well, we hit it off ever since. I mean, we just stayed friends after that. So how did that lead into the show itself? Well, we we started doing a few things together online. Uh, remember, we, we did a, a webinar, I think, for one of the pay-to-play services. Oh, we did. Yes. God, we, I forgot about that. Yeah, it was, hey, it was, it was like seven, eight years so ago. So that was the first thing we did together. That was together. the first thing together, okay. and we, we collaborated on that. And then uh, we did a um, a workshop at the Donald Fontaine Lab. Yes, we did. Because my mother lives out here in or, uh, in California, and I, we would come out here a lot, and so I'd come visit George, and we're like, hey, why don't we do, a, 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 you know, a, an all-day workshop? Or was it a two-day workshop? I think so. I think that it was, was a two-day workshop, and uh, uh, and that was a lot of fun working with you know a lot of people that we knew and a few you know a few fresh faces, and then how this came about is originally we were thinking you know we should probably just do a everybody is doing podcasting these days maybe <laughs> we should do a podcast about voiceover studios and uh, and then. I'm not sure why we decided to do it as a TV show. I think it's because you thought you could. <laughs> well, it was a matter of... We were talking about how we love car talk. That right. was part of it as yeah. well. Remember the car talk show? I mean, it was mm -hmm. the, mm -hmm. the way the rapport, the rapport those guys had, and they had a, made, it, made it really funny and fun. Right. And we're like, that's we could, we could do that. Maybe people would want to listen to that. So we wanted to do it live. We knew that. We wanted to do it live. We didn't want to have to edit it in post. Right. <laughs> that was a big thing. We're like, if we're going to do this and commit to it and do it every week, we can't have a lot of post time. Right. So that's why we did it live. And since we're doing it live at the time, when did we start? 2000? March 11th, 2011. Uh, oh. March 22nd, 2011. Man, I, I'm so glad I have Dan. Yeah, has, that's that's about all I remember. He has a about. memory. <laughs> uh, but uh, and I was like, well, we're gonna do this audio, but then we're gonna have our webcams. Let's just have them anyway. Right. 
And at the time, Ustream was the only way I knew how to stream it live. So we were like, let's just turn on our cameras. It was really incidental. The cameras were really not the focus. It was more about the audio, but the video stuck. Yeah. And I'm regretting it ever since. (laughs) (laughs) Because it just gets more and more complex. It's so complicated. You know, and and then we did it for for five years. Uh, You know, I was in... Remotely. Remotely. I was in Buffalo. George was in Santa Monica. And occasionally we would get together, which was always a lot of fun, especially when we would get, you know, at, 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 at... Fafcon or something, and we would have a the live audience. Peeps, we did it at one the, time. We, we, twice the we did it there. Show. Yeah, we yeah. did the anniversary show there, and then we were over at the Vo Peeps. There's like 40, 50 people. Oh, at that's that. right. You guys actually built a booth in yeah. Anne's room. Oh yes, that yeah. That's great. that's what's a that's a that's a classic video. That is classic. And um, you know, and actually that yeah, that booth, I think somebody else is using that now. Uh, <laughs> it will live on. It, it lives on, as does the studio <laughs> suit that it was based around. Yeah, and um, and then. For a number of reasons, my family had to move out here. Had to. We really wanted to, but we had a good excuse to come out to California. And now George and I are 20 minutes apart. And uh, it's a no-brainer to do it here. To, to do it here, Dan has a studio. Yeah, this is this the studio here is you know really nice. Uh, cool. It's, well, you it, really lucked out on a house too. I mean, I know you guys had a very specific criteria for it, but wow, it's a gorgeous studio and house. So well done, Dan. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean they they nailed it. Being in LA, your chances of finding a house with a studio are slightly increased. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, I know you didn't want to rehash that story, but there's even though I've watched all the episodes, there's still some great nuggets in there that I didn't know about, and I'll bet our fans will appreciate. But we would like to move into some of the more juicy questions we had. So, Sean, juicy. I know you want to start us off with a question you had for the guys. Well, yeah. I mean, both of you have been working with recording and broadcast technology for decades. What are some of the biggest innovations you've seen that still kind of blow your mind? Innovations that blow our minds. Hmm. Well, I mean, the first... Dan's been around longer, so there's yeah. more innovations yeah. that he has seen than I there, have. There was the <laughs> ad, there was the advent of magnetic tape. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And then and then DAT, and then uh, internet. Yeah. The, well, yeah. The internet was is. Clearly, that's the most that's mind-blowing the thing. Absolute game changer, right? It, it is, and it's really what makes the voiceover business what it is today. And it's uh, that more than anything else is really driving what goes on and how people communicate. And the fact that people are communicating using the the internet is what's driving the voiceover business because everything has to be narrated or somebody has to, you know, physically talk uh, about something. So it's created more opportunities. And more talent, all at the same time. Yeah. Well, opportunity. Is, talent is another. Is well, another that's question. the thing. Well, <laughs> well, okay. Talent. Interested quotes. Parties. I yeah. put that in quotes. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, it's a plural talent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's an actual name of something. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. In terms of like, you probably you're probably thinking more of technology. I'm assuming, Paul. Is that what you mean? Gear. Uh, that was actually Sean's question. But oh yeah, oh, Sean, I mean, and, sorry. and it could be like. Uh, but that was something that I hadn't considered, and it actually kind of moves on to my next question. Yeah. How do you guys, because of the internet, people are allowed to do this from home, how do you feel about the fact that a home studio is pretty much a given necessity now? We think it's absolutely freaking fantastic. <laughs> I thought you might, but still. From, from our perspective, as people that make a living designing, setting up, troubleshooting, you know, 
all that stuff, soothsaying. Yeah, uh, and, and, and teaching people how to use it. Yeah. It's fabulous It's a for good us. thing for us. Because, but, you, yeah. honestly, well, go ahead. No, no, I mean, you, you can speak to it from a voice actor's perspective. For well, me, my entire business is based on the right. fact that people have to have a home studio. Right. I would not do what I do without it. Right. But, you know, from a voice actor's perspective. Well, from well, from a voice actor's perspective, um, it's tremendously, you know, it gives you a tremendous amount of freedom. It allows you to be uh, you know, a, an entrepreneur, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, so, but you have to know it's one of those important pieces of of your voiceover business. You know, you've got to be a good business person, understand marketing and bookkeeping. You have to have talent. You've got to be a good voice actor because there's no room for not knowing what you're doing because, you know, your your auditions are going to get round filed when they listen to the slate. Um, and it's important to have a good sounding home studio uh, that you have rapid access to and not something it's like, oh, I got to take it down. I got to set it up again. Yeah. Take it down. You want some you want a permanent recording space. Uh, that's dedicated in your place of residence, and whether it's an apartment, uh, you know, your your home, uh, you know, a motel out on Route 66 somewhere, um, you've got to have that, and you've got to know how to use it right. There's a few basic things that if you understand, you can succeed at it, but you've got to understand what's behind those basics, and that's generally what George and I like to teach. I mean, we physically set things up, but we like teaching people how to use it. Although, I don't know, maybe you don't teach them as much, so in case something goes wrong, you're the one they have to call. <laughs> no, no, I'm the I main, know you I'm guys are far man. more noble than that. But, no, I'm uh, the that, man. <laughs> since, since we're on the, uh, the topic of education, what are some sort of misconceptions that you are always trying to steer like uh, new talent away from? You need a mic preamp. Yeah. You know, you need you need you need a a, a, a TLM one hundred and three. You uh, need a tube mic preamp. Yeah, tubes. Yeah, you. I I want the I want to use tubes. Why? <laughs> you need a mixer. Yeah, you need a mixer. You need. Um, you need a compressor. Yeah, yeah. Front end processing. I got an I, I got an Apex two eighty six. It's like why? Yeah. You know, I mean, we I, just the other day I told someone to unhook their Apex channel from their system. I, I do it all the two time. Two days ago. Yeah, I, I, it happens to me at least once a week, and yeah. and the and the thing that we do, and as troubleshooters, and the way you troubleshoot, and I learned this from Mister Soman, my eighth grade power mechanic shop teacher. You got to ask questions, and you got to go in the order of how things work, and you know maybe we don't think about that, but troubleshooting is troubleshooting. Why are you doing this? Why that, are you doing that? So and most, science, most of these questions are very cart before the horse mentality is what you're saying. Exactly. A lot of people are getting information off the internet uh, in YouTube. And the, the factor I like to, to mention is that, you know, somebody may be an expert in a home studio, their own. Right, and right. the fact of the matter is, is there's every room is different. Every voice is different. Uh, people talk louder, people talk softer, the materials, the room uh, that you're recording in is different, and there is no one set thing to make something, to, to make your audio up to a professional standard uh, in that particular room, and it really has to be done in a customized way. Mm -hmm. Well, with that in mind, and the how, I know how you guys like to keep it simple, what would you say are, are the bare minimums somebody needs in order to start a home studio? Qu I mean, quiet. <laughs> what? I mean, it sounds that's 
quiet is expensive. Um, Ultimately, yeah, it can it can be very expensive unless you live in the boonies. And you just started like out somewhere really, really quiet. <laughs> yeah, if you if you happen to live in an in a very quiet area, in a quiet home, with no animals and children, and a very quiet air conditioner, uh, or furnace, depending yeah, on where you whatever are. it is, <laughs> then you're lucky. You're like way ahead of the game because noise is the enemy of recording. And it's um, yes, there is software that takes noise out pretty effectively, but still to this day we really want to have clean audio. And noise is the problem. So if you start out with a place that's quiet. The rest is gravy because you can get, and I'm going to say it right now, a USB microphone <gasps> that will sound really freaking good. We've done USB microphone shootouts, and I know that they can sound good. I'm not saying it's the way to go, but for some people who are really technologically averse, which and are going seems to, to be everybody, out, yeah. Like a, we, we know for a fact that Maurice LaMarche uses an Apogee mic Apogee in, a, mic, in his yeah. walk-in closet, right? right? He told us that yeah. on the show. And his car, yeah. Yes. And so it's this holding is, in his hands. <laughs> yes, yeah. This is happening. But he's Maurice LaMarche. He can get away with that. Well, I mean, that's that's a key. That's something else to talk about. But, I mean, a USB mic or a very affordable Audio-Technica mic, I don't think there's a mic from the Audio-Technica line that I, is bad. Like even the least expensive, the twenty twenty can 20, be a little 20, hissy. It's okay. It's not the. You go up to the twenty thirty five, and I've been recommending that yeah. to people. It's... The non USB ones, right? I mean, yes. yeah, yeah, the yeah. USB stuff can be a little noisy. Non USB, you can start with a twenty or a twenty thirty five. I love that's yeah. one I really like to recommend. In fact, I made a custom package with B and H that has a twenty thirty five, and the interface is a is a Steinberg UR twelve, which is like eighty bucks, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a really clean starter setup that works beautifully well. And yeah. then a good, decent pair of headphones. Right. I, and that's I, like we were talking about before, a lot of people, they want to reach for the industry standards like the 103s and stuff like that. But that setup's already br or past $1,000. You yeah. just listed off a $200 setup that sounds perfectly professional. Right, it does uh, yeah. in the right environment. Right, exactly. In the right environment. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So and that right can hands. be as inexpensive or as expensive as you make it. So. Right. Well, I, I'm of the belief, and I and I repeat this a trillion times a, a week, is that ninety to ninety-five percent of the quality of your audio is dependent on the acoustical signature of the room that you record in. Absolutely. And uh, you know, it's not the microphone. And yeah. another twenty percent. We're going to have hundred and thirty percent when we're done with this. But another twenty percent. <laughs> Is the uh, is the mic technique is my is my like technique placement yeah. and technique right I, and and those are and and those are the factors that really affect audio and when you yeah. say you know words like industry standard my immediate reaction is what industry are you talking according about according to who right yeah <laughs> and and you know if you're talk I think people have a big misconception especially if they are experienced talent but haven't recorded on their own before they think that they have to have a, a nice room with a couch and guitars hanging on the wall and <laughs> windows and uh, you know and a, a couple of fabulous babes hanging out or whatever it is that goes on at a recording studio yeah those commercial studios are there to impress the client Right. And really wow, wow them and make them understand, make them feel good about spending $300 an hour right. for studio mm -hmm. time. You right. know, and your home studio is designed to do one job really well, and that is make you sound really clean, accurate, and, well, as Dan says, like you. Sound like you. Yeah. And so, uh, so and, and, and I think people get they, they 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 have a misconception about what it is that they're, tr they're trying to do. And the fact of the matter is, is nobody needs to see 
how the sausage is made. They only hear it. <laughs> That's right. So I love the sausage making uh, analogy. It's, yeah, it's one of my favorites. It makes complete sense. And is there a well, point, guys, where having what's so-called an industry standard is actually a bad idea? Because my personal situation, you may have heard the last episode, I got a TLM-103 in here with me, and it was a mess because it was way too sensitive and did not work at all for my space. Right, right. Yep, yep. When you're using a mic like that, that was designed for being used in a studio environment, you know, really high-end productions, it is extremely sensitive, and it has a pretty wide pickup pattern. So it, you have to have a good room, very low noise, uh, to, get a, to get a good sound out of that mic in most cases. The other air quotes, again, industry standard mic is a Sennheiser 416. But that became an industry standard because of the use of it in promo by Ernie Anderson in the 70s. The love boat. Um, and that mic just sort of stuck around because of his use of that mic in the 70s. And it was just became the Hollywood promo mic and trailer mic. Um, it happens to work pretty well. It just has, there's some, it has some interesting mic technique that's involved to make it sound good. And you have to be extremely on mic. Right. You can't get sloppy with mic placement and get off to the side. It sounds really bad really quick. So those are two mics that have arguably become industry standards, at least in the promo trailer commercial world, you know. But it, it doesn't require those kind of mics to get good voiceover recordings, not not in the least. Right. And it's not the mic. And, and there's there's no microphone out there that enhances your performance. Yeah. Uh, there's there's nothing that's going to, you know, you're going to turn on the mic and suddenly you sound like John like Hamm. It's just not going to, you can't read like you sound like John Hamm, yet people believe that. And it's, you know, and because they, they watch YouTube and, uh, you know, the, and it's like, well, this is the best mic for voice. Now, there's no such thing as the best or, you know, but, but from, from my point of view and probably from George's, there is the worst and then there's everything else. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of bad mics, which we don't need to get into the bad mics, but there are there's definitely a number of bad ones that just don't work. Oh, I'm going to name one. Okay, go Okay, because it. it's been a punching bag for years. The Blue Snowball. Oh, the Snowball. Oh, <laughs> so that's a pretty bad USB mic. Try it. But let's yeah. also be, let's have some con uh, some context. It's also one of the first. Right. I don't know if it's the first. I think no, the Samson. The C01U was the first. Maybe the first. They're both rather lousy. Yeah. But they're also over 10 years old, I think, now, in More terms than of when I, they were designed. I, I so, in 2006. Yeah. yeah. So and people the, are still buying them for some reason. Because they're sold at like Apple stores and Best Buy right. and you know, yeah, for, for Micro nothing. Center. Yeah. 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 So you know what's fantastic, yeah. and you guys heard it, is that that blue Raspberry, as far as the USB mic goes, there's an example of evolution of technology, right? The Snowball. Old technology, noisy, no proper gain control. The blue Raspberry is an evolution of an evolution of USB mics. They've had many, many mics in between those two. Yeah. You know, and, and the Raspberry is like, I, again, I haven't tried them. We haven't gotten one yet to try, no. but I know you have. So if Blue is listening, which please send us one. So we yeah, can... send us send us one over. We'll we'll give it the rundown. I'll take another. But too. it's a, it's a great mic. <laughs> it's a it's a really surprisingly good mic if you know how to use it. Yeah, in fact, last week I had a directed session where I used it because, I, well, I was messing around with my gear and um, wasn't set up with the, with the interface. So I used a blue Raspberry that was sitting right there in the booth, and client loved it, and it's on the web right now. There you go. Go for it. You know, it's, 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 if the mic is low noise and it's reasonably accurate, uh, you're good. 
yeah. put it in a good booth or a good acoustical space, put it in the right spot and talk. Yep. You're good. There we go. That's it. Yeah. That, right. Good can, night, everybody. Can we sell that last sentence for nine ninety nine? Sean, you had some, some questions about industry events, didn't you? Oh, yeah. So I was just curious because I know you guys love going to, to NAM and NAB and other uh, conferences with like lots of new innovative audio tech. Is there anything that's coming out this year that you're really excited about? Well, there was the... It's it's expensive stuff, and yeah. you know whether it's relevant to voiceover or not. I mean, to you know, to geeks like us, you know, especially George. Um, I mean, he loves going to that stuff because yeah. it's it's cool and uh, it's and and it's fun and it's you know at a very professional level. And if somebody's at a professional level, uh, you know that kind of gear is kind of cool. But there is one I'm, thing. I'm gonna need, well, I'm gonna need one thing that. Okay. If it wasn't so dang expensive, <laughs> I would tell everybody to go buy, go out and buy this thing. Right. And I'm going to, I will, I'll back that up with an actual review of the product when I get one. Because I, again, I, I don't like to cold, like just right out and out say, buy this thing until I've really used it. Can I but guess company, what it is, George? Well, I'll go ahead. See if is you can it guess. the MixPre? The sound well, devices? That's a really good guess. Yeah. And you probably <laughs> thought that was what I was going to say. And it is really awesome. And we were, we were very impressed it by is that. really awesome. Yeah. But that's not what I was going to say, actually. Rats. The All thing right, that's the it. most, it's really awesome. But the thing that was the most innovative to me and the most amazing was the Yellow Tech, uh, it's called the PUC Mike Leah. It's a weird name. It's made in Germany. Is it like a mounting system, right? No, no, not at all. The PUC is an acronym for something. I don't know what it stands for, but it's an audio interface. But it's it's what makes it stand alone that I'm aware of is it has the most amazing automatic gain controlling system I've ever seen. Normally, AGC or auto gain is horrible. It's not good. If you've ever used a cheesy, well, actually almost any video camera where the audio goes up and down and the noise gets hissy and then it goes down, you know what I'm talking about. But this thing intelligently adjusts the gain control on the fly without pumping up and down the background noise. It, it's absolutely wow. amazing technology. Unfortunately, it comes with, at a cost. It's it's about, I think, 900 bucks. Well, it is German, after all. Yeah, it's 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 no joke. Um, it's if they standard can, of quality. If, if yeah. they ever decide to license the technology to somebody else, maybe someday in the future they'll do that and it becomes a $200 unit, unit it would be a, just a killer device. But you, it's, it is really amazing. I mean, it, it will de-stress the voice actor's job of recording themselves tremendously. I mean, you literally set it to auto, and that's it. You do not have to ever set gain after that. It's right. really amazing. So that'd be extremely useful if you're doing uh, very different energy reads or styles of reads, like an animation oh, yeah. versus a an audio book. Animation, yeah. video games, that sort of it thing. It would be yeah. awesome for video games. Yeah, because usually what you have to do with video games, if you know you're going to be you yeah. know, doing a lot of loud stuff, and I right. have, uh, you know, the script calls for, you know, scream, or, uh, you know, you've got to do something very loud. You're shouting to somebody across the street. Usually, what you'll do is, well, you can, if, once you learn good mic technique, you yeah. can back off the mic, uh, or you can hit like a 10 dB or 20 dB pad on your, on your, your interface. And some mics actually have a 20 D or 10 dB pad yeah. on them. Um, but that's something you have to do and you've got to plan it's ahead. Engineering gymnastics. Yeah. You have to, you have to constantly switch your brain from actor to engineer, right? Back and forth. It's, it's a lot to think about. So you end up For just setting people. it. 
Yeah, well, you end up <laughs> setting the gain something. You end up having to set the gain really low. So then it doesn't clip when you're yelling. Right. But then when you're doing, so get over here, or I'm going to rip your brains out, line, something like that, <laughs> um, it's way down at like minus 30 or something. And right. it's, all, it's, in the, it's in the noise, you know. So it's, it's difficult recording that stuff well. And this is going to make it, a technology like that is going to make it easier. But it's just a little inaccessible. And it's, it's actually hard to get. It's only carried by a couple companies in the U.S. It's, very, it's hard to get. So I'm going to get one and test it out. But the sound devices mix pre-3 really cool in terms of its feature set what it can do and uh again another you don't want to test out in the real world but uh that thing was really sweet really cool <laughs> very cool well since you like you really get the sense that you guys you don't want like you understand that everyone has a unique budget and you really kind of like you don't encourage anyone to sp spend more money than necessary i'm curious what sort of are your favorite recommendations at both like sort of a budget mind and an aspiration minded equipment? And it can be mics or interfaces or both. Well, I, you know, I mean, we already mentioned that, you know, we both like to uh, tell people, look, you know, an Audio Technica 2035 and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, the, uh, was it the uh, Steinberg, you are the Steinberg, you, you are thing. You uh, have some others you like too, right? Well, I, I like the Scarlett 2i2. Still do to this day. I still do to this day. Version uh, 2 I hear is much improved. I, I gotta too. go get one. Yeah. Uh, a, a Yamaha, if you know, for people who maybe be doing podcasting, uh, a Yamaha AGO3 or AGO6, mm -hmm. which George recommended to me, and I immediately ran over to uh, Banjo Emporium and, and bought one. <laughs> and, yeah, we both uh, use those that, as well. It, yeah, and that's 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 my at desk uh, interface because where where I do uh, uh, webinars and stuff like that, um, it's it's important to be able to play audio from your computer into the sound mix that you're doing. Back over to go to meeting, right? Or whatever it is, right? You're using, yeah. Go to meeting or Zoom or yeah. whatever. And for what uh, it does, I haven't found anything as affordable or easy to use. It's pretty pretty incredible actually so. yeah i mean and, and for doing doing remote sessions i mean it's great yeah. you know if you're doing it you do it by skype or zoom or something i sent rick wasserman to colorado with a, a ago3 and some moving blankets and some pvc pipe i mean literally he, he has a pvc pipe booth with some blankets an ago3 and his trusty sennheiser 416 right and he's doing his Mad Men. Well, that show's not on the air, but no, no. whatever AMC thing. <laughs> AMC. He's doing all of his, uh, right. you know, AMC stuff from, from a house in Creed, Colorado, where he's there for the summer doing repertory theater. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. It works. Yeah. Well, he was on the show a couple of weeks ago when I wasn't here, but yeah, I was, was on an show. airplane, like getting little tidbits of what's going on on the show. And then he said, it's my dog walked in and he goes, Tinky. <laughs> I was, I was like, even my wife laughed at that one. He's so, an awesome. He has he, an awesome voice. He does. He really does. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. That, that that's a good entry level. That's the entry level stuff. Right. And we mentioned him like the there's the Harlan Hogan VO1A, right. which we're using today. We're talking into that very mic as we speak. To if you. you want to step up one level from the AT the third, 2035, this is a little more expensive, but a beautiful sounding. Really nice sounding microphone. Yeah, and, and Harlan designed it specifically for voiceover. People don't realize uh, that most of the equipment that we use was never designed for voiceover. It was designed for recording music. 
Right. And it has a workflow. A lot of the uh, software that people use is, has a workflow mm. for recording music. Oh, yeah. And uh, Pro so... Pro Tools. Yeah, yeah, Pro Tools, which, you know, we could have a, an hour-long discussion about. And, you know, and I'll go, I, I'll just recuse myself from that discussion. <laughs> well, uh, I, I want to start another discussion because you do have some talent who they start with Pro Tools and then they fight learning anything else what what do you think is the reasoning for that because they once you learn a system yeah and especially pro tools which was exceedingly difficult to learn i mean there's a learning curve on there it's designed to be like a, a you know a, a, a old school multi-track based yeah, studio you know with the sends and everything right else. with as many channels as you as you as you have and you know i went to school to learn how to use a recording studio like that and uh, there are people that go to college to do it and it's not a skill you learn overnight and it's not a skill you learn in a month it's a skill you learn over many many years uh, learning because there are just so many different little tidbits to to Pro Tools yeah. and some of these other uh, multi-channel DAWs. It's got a tremendous amount of tools that once you learn to use them and you've kind of put them in your muscle memory, it's very very hard to abandon those those skills and or, or adapt those skills to something else. Yeah, unless you really hate doing all the things that you have to do in Pro Tools. <laughs> right, right. I mean, if it's all you know and it's all you've ever used and you're good at it and it's reliable. Do it. And it gets the job done. Don't why why change it? Right. But I, I have changed a lot of clients from Pro Tools. Pro Tools has gotten a lot more reliable over the years. It's though as of lately, it's far less problematic than it used to be. Now every time I launch it, it just tends to work and I have little issues it now. It tends to work. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, it does work. It does work very reliably now. Pro Tools 12 does. Um, but um it was a real pain in the neck for a really long time. So we were all looking for stuff like Twisted Wave that demystified recording and editing tremendously. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm actually really grateful for when I decided to get involved with VoiceOver because, I mean, the equipment was far more accessible and it's, it's like easier to use than ever. And it was right around the time that Twisted Wave was released. And it's my favorite DAW easily. It's just so, so easy to use. Yeah. I mean, it has a reduced feature set, clearly. I mean, certainly a lot less features in Pro Tools and Adobe Audition. Um, but it has everything you need. It really does have everything you need. I mean, and I think Audition... it's a lot more powerful than people exp or realize. Like, oh, absolutely. Like, if you actually take the time to, to figure out all the features. I know yeah. Jack Degoli has got a wonderful webinar on uh, all the things you can do with it, as do yeah. you guys. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we both I, teach it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I needed it yesterday. I did a, a very long narration that was about an hour long that had to be cut into 135 different slides. No, oh, oh, Twisted Wave is is, is perfect. It, for it, that. It's fabulous. That you mark it, you can you know cut and paste the gaps, split by markers, split by markers, batch process. What used to take three hours now takes you know it took me an hour to record it, an hour and a half to edit it into that format, and go split by markers, whoosh, yeah. out the door, and my client is thrilled as he can possibly Massive, be. massive time saver. Yeah. yeah. We're big on time-saving stuff. I mean, to me, audio quality always is important, right? But next to that, it's reliability, and then how much time is it going to save you? You're not getting paid by the hour, folks. To be voice and to be engineers, right? <laughs> you have to be fast. Yeah, one of those things that that, that I see a lot uh, is you know people will send me audio and they'll send me their chain and they'll say, well, I record on this and then I transfer to that and then I transfer to this. Yeah. So I can. I'm like, and you're doing this? Why? Yeah. A lot of hoop jumping. Because it's efficient, but <laughs> if it is, I mean, 
there occasionally is an argument for using multiple programs and multiple systems that I've seen convincing, but most of the time it's an unnecessarily number of steps. Right. It slows you down. Circling back to gear one more time. I don't know if you listen to the show. I think George Paul, has Paul, are you gear obsessed? Yeah, that's where we're going. Uh, with with, with the, the questionable purchase of the Wii. Yeah. So what have you no, guys sorry, had God. any have you guys had any questionable gear purchases of your own that you regretted either immediately or after using for a few weeks in your own studios? That's hmm. a that's a hard question. I mean I mean George is an engineer and he you know, he buys gear, you know, and he well, plays with it and stuff like that. you guys have to try a lot for your clients, too, to test it out and stuff like things, that. Things that I've, rec- maybe the things that I've recommended and then regretted later. I recommended Wave Lab by Steinberg <laughs> to one of my <laughs> clients, and I recommended it to her. She's on Windows, yeah. and at the time, I thought it was the best simple recording solution, and I used White Wave Lab extensively a long time ago. But then when I have to now teach it to somebody and troubleshoot it, you know, remotely, years later, I realize bad choice. Yeah. <laughs> it's great software, it really is, but it's just in many ways mind-numbingly frustrating. It's just it's very German and it's very uh <laughs> and it's just it's just overly con- it's basically Twisted Wave took the Wave Lab thing and made it Mac friendly and way less complicated to use and then puts all the right tools in the right places. Right. WaveLab doesn't. It's it's a little harder to use. So yeah. that's one thing I kind of regret recommending. Yeah. This of course is the Ocean Audio came out, yeah. which is really cool, but that's yeah. not something we would ever regret because that's a really cool it's little program. Free. It's free, which <laughs> it's is free. why we also yeah, like it. It's free. You know, um, Audacity has Gear wise, I mean, you know, I I do a lot of research and I do a lot of testing. I don't have a lot of regrets. But, I mean, I used to recommend a DBX286, which I know you like. You have now, Paul. And you've been playing with. I actually it I tore it out based on. Oh, fi- you tore it out again. Okay. You finally, you finally <laughs> sold it go, me. Didn't it go in then out then in again uh, and then out again? Like um, like the, uh, <laughs> the old the who? In out, in squeeze out. box. <laughs> Mama's got a squeeze box. Um, <laughs> yes, no, but it did it, actually. It's, it's not a bad piece of. I mean, I used to recommend it, you know, pretty widely. Um, but I've gotten, I've kind of moved away from that one. Um, man, I can tell you about video streaming equipment that I rec- that I don't recommend <laughs> yeah, anymore, yeah, and that's that's a whole other deal. <laughs> I, I won't go down that rattle. That, that, that's been our our, our current uh, curse. Well, <laughs> it appears you guys are just efficient. You're just too efficient, and I'm clearly uh, diseased. So we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> we can't help you with gas, your acquisition <laughs> syndrome. We really can't help you if you won't listen to us. What are we going to do? I always yeah, listen I mean, to you. It just se- takes several weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, gear is gear, and and again, as George said, does it make you more efficient as opposed to, you know, does it change who you are? Does it change you from voice actor A to, you know, to uh, John Krasinski? It's not gonna do that. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with it, and people are just lost on that. Yeah. So I, I, you know, there's never been a piece that I've regretted having. Uh, you know, I've. Yeah, you know, there's stupid stuff I bought because it was like cute, uh, right. but I never intended to use it for for voiceover. Yeah, uh, but I know you've because uh, I remember you had a lot of the Apogee stuff too, like the one and the. Did you have the duet too? Uh, I never had a duet. Uh, I like the Apogee mic. I still have mine. Uh, I use it when I'm on the road. Uh, if I record on the road, I know you have very f- firm opinions about doing oh, it on yeah. vacation. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm on vacation. I I don't want to do voiceover. I mean, if you can do an audition on your iPhone in your car, who cares? But you're not going to be able to produce, you know, add to something that you did 
you know, in your own home studio somewhere else. It can't be done. You're not going to be able to match the uh, the ambiance. Even even if you're as good at it as I am. It's really uh, hard. I it, call it the black black diamond level of voiceover recording. Right. Trying to do it from a hotel remotely or something. Nice. Yeah. It's much harder. Yeah, you can't do it. That, I guess another piece of gear that comes to mind when you mentioned Apogee, I used to really do, I, roost, I did used to recommend the Apogee 1 a lot. Yeah, but I got found it to be quirky, and yeah. I didn't like the little proprietary oh, cable it has, yeah. the dongle thing. And then their drivers started to get unstable sometimes, and that drove people crazy. It just got too flaky, and yeah. I, I stopped recommending that thing because yeah. of it. Interesting well, to note, though, but uh, yeah. I one one point about this is that uh, when when I was at Voice 2010, I think. And we met, I met the president of, of Epigee and, uh -huh. and I had a one and I really liked it. Yeah. Uh, I was running it through, uh, the Eureka uh -huh. without the compressor and he was just yeah, using just that as, as an interface and, uh, and, and as a preamp. And he's like, you know, we spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, dollars developing the preamp inside the one go naked. Yeah. And I'm like, excuse me. So he was one of the first yeah. guys that really said to you, plug your mic into this thing. Right. Just and plug. Be, and yeah. listen. Right. Yeah. Just just plug the mic in, you know, you know. I won't argue with that. Yeah. The Apogee preamps and converters are stellar. Yeah. Like they really are a gold standard, you know, no, no doubt about it. Right. But. And so my belief is that you don't need any front end processing, just a good preamp interface and, and your microphone. And that's that should be the extent of your chain. And every time... You know, we pull people away from front-end processing or a channel strip like, like you know, an Aphex. It just makes such a dramatic difference in their audio. And usually it's like, God, it sounds better. And their sanity. Yeah. It sounds different. And But that's, like you are saying, I know you're always, like, let the get the gear that makes you sound like you. Not that makes you sound better or your best self. Like, we want accuracy, not flattery. Right. So. That's who they're, they're hiring you for you. What is unique about you? Not, you know. Does your does does your booth sound better than this guy's booth? And it's the booths don't sound good. Booths just exist to make you sound like you. <laughs> if that makes any that, sense. No, it makes perfect sense to me anyway. Drop the mic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't drop the mic. Um, <laughs> Never mind. All right. So thanks again, George and Dan, for being here with us today. Before you leave, how can people get a hold of you if they want to use your uh, your services? Well, they can, you know, my website is homevoiceoverstudio.com, and I've got a contact uh, button there that you can, you know, email me directly. But I also have uh, the Specimen Collection Cup. Uh, and it, it's actually, you go to the page, it's like, oh, son of a gun, it's a Specimen Collection Cup. Uh, you send If you want to send me some raw audio, five seconds of open mic silence, read something and give me 10 seconds of silence, open mic, so I can hear how you're addressing the mic, hear the acoustics in the room, hear how much background noise you have. And uh, if I think it sounds great, I will tell you so. And I do on occasion. Uh, <laughs> refrigerators running. Like uh, oh, refrigerators. <laughs> it's like I now know the difference between what a refrigerator in the next room sounds like and a ceiling fan or an air conditioner. It's amazing the noises that, that dribble into people's uh, homes. And uh, and if you look at it on a spectrograph, you can generally tell what it is, whether it's electronic or whether it's uh, something mechanical. But you can take you can send me a specimen if I think you need some help. Uh, then we can set up a consultation and we'll get your booth sounding the way it should. 
And I, George, am available through my parent company, which is Edge Studio. Uh, there's a website, edgestudiotechnology.com. And uh, I provide services like Dan's. I'm, I kind of go a little bit nuts with the options. So I have a lot of different flat rate services and different ways you can work with us. Um, One-on-ones, do the webinar thing as well. You can send in a sound check as well for me, a similar process. And uh, you can have me make a processing template for Twisted Wave, which you should really only use for auditions, if at all, um, unless the client asks otherwise. And um, um, and a whole bunch of different ways to work with me. And I also get to design studios from time to time. And right now I'm actually in the middle of seven different studio build-out projects in wow. different Very stages. Cool. Um, a couple here in L.A., a couple elsewhere. And uh, that's actually where I'm going immediately after we hang up the, sky, uh, the Source Connect is uh, mm. running over to Burbank to check out a studio Ooh. that's been under work since, oh man, I think it's been a year. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. year. <laughs> so, I mean, George and I are literally competitors. Yeah, but we we're not. I mean, it doesn't we sound we, like it. We are and we aren't. <laughs> we are and we aren't. I mean, we consult with each other. Nobody knows more about home studios on God's green earth than the two of us. And we don't yeah. say that from an egotistical point of view. We just know this is this. We've been doing this longer than anybody else, and we, we understand the yeah. environment. We have different styles. We have different personalities, and we have different you know, just backgrounds and people tend to gravitate to one or the other. Sometimes people bounce back and forth. Yeah, they, yeah that's like happened a few times. <laughs> yeah. Well, George said this. Well, yeah. Dan said I'm that. Like, what? <laughs> what the heck is he talking You're about? You're killing me, Small. Dan said it was okay. <laughs> well, again, Drop the guys. Mic. Yeah, really. <laughs> again. And, it, and they're out of mics. <laughs> It's been so awesome to have you guys on. I can't believe you agreed to it. Not sure what you were thinking, but we really appreciate it. And oh. hopefully we'll get a chance to talk again soon. Well, uh, we you know guys, we, will. We, we love you guys. You guys have been devoted fans of ours. And it's just been a lot of fun to see you guys put a, together a show and kind of follow in our footsteps in a little way, you know? And it's, it's been a lot of fun to see it. I, I do listen to you guys pretty regularly in, in my podcast player. Yeah, so. George is a podcast addict. I'm in the car a lot, yeah. so I, I do. Well, PAS I do is a lot, a lot more affordable than GAS, so <laughs> podcast acquisitions <laughs> in them. very nice. Yeah. Exactly. It's been our pleasure, guys. Thank you, guys, so much. I know you have to get out of here uh, for some other appointments, but I know Paul and I have benefited a great deal from your podcast. And um, tell me everything I know. Back. I'm fond of saying. Yeah. yeah. Except for trying out gear you don't need. Well, <laughs> we can't help you with that. Yeah, if you got the budget to do it, you and that's what, what, that's you enjoy doing it. Yes, do if it's it. Your hobby. If Go it's for fun. It. It's for the fans. Like question, yes, it's fun. It's fun. It's for the. If you, it's for the fans. Yeah, it's for the fans. There you go, Paul. <laughs> Is that what it says on your tax on your uh, on your Schedule C? I pasted it to the window of the whisper room. For the fans. For the fans. <laughs> yeah. Never no, I, again, yeah. Have it's perspective. If, if if you're buying the gear because it's fun to you and it doesn't stress you out, it's actually fun trying go for it, man. Right. Have yeah, fun. Go, go out and play. I mean, yeah. and, and that's that's something that I tell people when I work with them and I teach them some of the initial things that they need to do with software. It's like, here are the basics, go out and play. Once you know the rules, then you're allowed to break the break rules. Break the rules. Absolutely. All right. Wow. Thanks again to Dan and George for that awesome interview. Once again, you can check them out at VOBS.TV or you can go to their Facebook page at VOBS and request to become a member. Yes. Thanks once again to George and Dan. Like I said, it was a dream come true. 
They are my VO idols, and I'm so glad we were able to get them on the show. Well, that's going to wrap us up for this episode of the VO Meter. Measuring your voiceover progress. We hope that you'll stay tuned for because we've got some great content coming up. We'll be interviewing a very successful voice talent and coach, uh, Paul Stracuerda. And another future episode, we have Terry Daniel coming on, a voiceover coach and voiceover talent out of Minneapolis. That should be fun. Excellent. I can't wait for those guys. Uh, I've studied with both of them, and they're incredible talents, and I'm sure they have a lot of great strategies and tips for our listeners. So join us next time for episode 12. That's it for this episode. Have a great day, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the VO Meter, measuring your voiceover progress. To follow along, please visit www.vometer.com. 